The blue whale surfaced and lazily exhaled a wet breath, ejecting a cloud of mist into the air like a fountain. The sun was beginning to sink towards the horizon, casting a reddish glow that glittered like rubies on the little wavelets that traveled unseen across the ocean. Alone and unconcerned about predators, the whale playfully rolled over onto its back, enjoying the last of the warmth of the setting sun. A sudden shadow swept across the whale, and the massive cetacean tipped sideways to examine the cause of the change in light. Bearing down upon the whale, a massive pirate ship careened through the air, held aloft only by two large, creaking, desperately flapping wings. Sails billowed in the wind, the ship slew crazily from side to side. The whale arched his massive body and dove beneath the waves. Just in time, too, as the ship failed to right itself and plowed into the water. With a thunderous crash, the bow of the pirate vessel buried itself beneath the waves until nearly half the ship was submerged. Foresails and rigging were ripped from their mounts and flung into the water. The ship paused, stern suspended high in the air like a feeding duck as water poured from the upper decks. It looked for a moment like the pirate ship might topple right over, but it slowly began to fall back, the stern dropping until the ship finally sat level, bobbing quietly in the quiescent sea. Silence reigned on the ship for a moment as water streamed off the ship's decks. Suddenly the hatch in the foredeck slammed open, and two figures staggered out from below deck. The first, a young pirate dressed in a splendidly puffy shirt, bore a bald parrot on his shoulder. The second figure, a girl of sixteen, dressed in a long, oilcloth coat covered in pockets. Round goggles were perched on her forehead, matting her bright red hair. The pirate gazed appraisingly at the damage his ship had incurred upon landing. You know, Benzi, I do think you're getting better. The young girl nodded, looking pleased. You know, I really think you're right. The foremast didn't even snap off this time. Benzi stooped down to pick up a loose gear that had tumbled across the deck. Oops, where did that come from? Bluebeard the pirate gazed intently at the unbroken horizon, his booted foot resting on the ship's railing in his favorite piratey posture. Since he had been a young boy, Bluebeard dreamed of being a pirate. To his great disappointment, he discovered as an adult that pirate was just another word for dirty, low-down, backstabbing thief. Once having secured himself a ship and a modest crew, if you count the bird, and he did, Bluebird vowed to become the kind of pirate he'd always dreamed, sail the sea, search for buried treasure, and, if he was lucky, lose a leg to some kind of terrible undersea monster. Well, there's no sign of Redbeard. That was a close call. He nearly wrecked us this time. If you hadn't recognized one of Redbeard's crew in the Arbortown market, we'd be locked up in the Brig of the Black Death by now. That's three times he's nearly nabbed us. It's a good thing the Alex Abigail here can fly, or we'd never escaped him. For years, Bluebeard had placed Redbeard the pirate at the top of an illustrious list of famous buccaneers, and had hoped to learn the piratey trade at his side. Bluebeard was dismayed, though, when he learned the truth about Redbeard. The infamous pirate was a vicious and cruel taskmaster, who would think nothing of sinking every ship and burning every village he encountered. Battling sea monsters and finding buried treasure was evidently too much trouble for that scurvy pirate. Redbeard preferred instead to steal his treasures from others. Bluebeard now found the red-bearded bandit a loathsome example of the worst kind of pirate. To say the least, it had been a shock to discover that Redbeard the pirate was also Binzi's dad. In hindsight, he should have suspected, Bluebeard supposed. Binzi's fiery red hair, coal-black eyes, and ferocious temper were spot on with her father. However, Binzi's mood was tempered by her love for adventure and an absolutely rigid sense of right and wrong. Despite the dubious family history, Bluebeard trusted Binzi completely and considered himself lucky to be blessed with such a capable crewmate. He couldn't help, however, ribbing her just a little.
So, me lass, when were you planning on telling me the Redbeard was your father? Vincy grabbed hold of some rigging still attached to the ship and began hauling it out of the water. I didn't mean to keep it a secret, but when my father took your chicken, it just didn't seem to be the right time. After that, things moved so quickly, I just didn't get the chance. Redbeard was never much of a father. He was always gone attacking villages or whatnot. He had hoped to have me become his next in line when I was older. You know, take over the family business. But I never wanted to be a pirate captain, steal treasure, and bully people. I just wanted to create, to build. When I told him that, he, well, he wasn't much pleased. Hardly spoke a word to me afterwards, didn't think much of me or my choices. Well, I appreciate what you do. I couldn't work this ship without ye. As had become part of their routine, Bluebeard and Binzi set to work fixing the damage caused by their landing. Bluebeard retrieved the rigging that had fallen into the water, while Binzi returned below to examine the vessel's powerful steam engine that lay bubbling and boiling in the belly of the vessel. The engine was a crucial component to the Alex Abigail. Only with the engine functioning could they travel so quickly across the water, and of course, fly. By the time the sun had set, the ship was once again seaworthy, and Bluebeard and Binzi could finally rest and take stock of their surroundings. They ate their dinner and relaxed in a set of deck chairs that Binzi had fashioned. As they ate, the golden reds of sunset turned to purple and the first of the brightest stars began to show. Bluebeard loved this time of day. The smell of the sea air and the gentle rocking of the swells beneath the hull were like the comforting embrace of a mother to a baby. Finishing his soup, Bluebeard placed his bowl on the deck and leaned back in his chair, enjoying the moment. Are we going to make port soon? The town of Dimswallow is only half a day's sail away. I, I suppose so. Between your landings and Bluebeard's attempts to blow us up, the Abigail's feeling a bit worn. Bluebeard sighed. When he had imagined himself a pirate, he fantasized occupying his time with typical piratey pursuits, looking for treasures and such but he hadn't thought much of the intervening time between those adventures. What party things could he do now with no treasure to search for and no sea monsters about? He looked over at the bald parrot, who sat on the arm of the deck chair nibbling thoughtfully at a long claw. So, mate, where be the Moidary's treasure? Oh, don't start that again. You keep pestering the little chicken and he won't tell you anything. Bluebeard rubbed the parrot under the beak fondly and scowled at Binzy. Parrot! And I'm not just pestering them, I'm trying to trigger another one of Mate's little memories. If I can figure out the word that triggers them, we can find your father's lost treasure. Mate the parrot had once belonged to Redbeard, and, as parrots do, had learned to repeat the pirate's most common expressions. While this included an impressive array of curses and threats, the parrot had also memorized the instructions to find Redbeard's greatest treasure trove, the Moidary's treasure. Having lost a map himself, Redbeard was furious when he discovered Mate now belonged to Bluebeard. Redbeard would do anything to get that bird back. The little creature was the only link to the largest treasure in pirate history. Thus far, however, the bird had provided little in the way of instructions to the fabulous treasure. Imagine if we could just find the Moidary's treasure. Imagine the pirate treasure we could find there. Please don't start again. I would have the world's largest pirate booty. Please don't call it that. I'd walk into town and people would say, Look at the enormous booty on that pirate. I'd swag around, shaking me booty, and people would point and cry, I wish my booty was as big as his. Please stop. (sighs) Well, I won't be getting the big booty anytime soon, with no map and no clues to its location. I guess we can go to Dimswallow. I'll be needing a few supplies anyhow. Binzi clapped her hands and looked delighted. 
Excellent. There are some pressure seals on the boiler that need fixing. One of those things lets go and we'll blow the back off the ship. Well, let's get some rest and we'll start off first thing in the morning. Before noon the next day, the pirate ship eased itself into the empty port at Dimswallow. And with a flurry of activity from the dock workers, the hundred-foot sailing vessel was securely lashed into place. A long gangplank was lowered to the dock, and Bluebeard and Binzi strode from the ship to approach the dock manager, a thin weasel of a man with enormously long nose and crooked teeth. Welcome, fine captain, to our little town. We are so excited to have you visit, but uh, <laughs> we ask that you please control your crew. The last pirate crew we had in this town nearly burned the place to the ground. Perhaps we could bring some food and drink to the ship so that your men can stay on board. We cannot have your entire crew overrunning our town. Bluebeard smiled as he realized the harbor master thought that the Alex Abigail was supported by such a large crew. No one ever suspected that Binzi ran the ship nearly by herself. Do not fret, my good sir. Me men will remain on board while we visit. You won't even know they're there. The harbor master bowed low and smiled thankfully at the pirate captain. Oh, thank you, sir. I speak not for me, but for the people of this town. Only yesterday we had a pirate vessel visit. We are only now getting the fires under control. Redbeard the pirate is not one you want to cross, let me tell you. Bluebeard's smile froze, and as the dock worker moved off to yell at his crew, Bluebeard turned to Binzi. How was Redbeard here yesterday when we only escaped from him the day before in Arberton? There's no way he could have traveled that fast. I don't know. Nothing but the Alex Abigail could get here so quickly, and that's only if she's in the air. If he can travel that quickly, we won't be able to outrun him for long. The town of Dimswallow was a dismal little hamlet, a single dirt road framed on either side by rows of dirty little houses and shops. Nestled as they were amongst some gnarled old-growth trees, the town was gloomy and dim, despite being nearly midday. The only people in view were a couple of dirty schoolchildren, sullenly playing with a stick. As Bluebeard approached, he realized that they were using the stick to poke at a fat cat lying in the dirt. The cat hissed and bared its teeth, but appeared too worn to move. As the breeze shifted, Bluebeard could smell the hulking pile of refuse dumped just outside the village. Dragging Bluebeard by the arm, Binzi strode across the narrow dirt road to the blacksmith and flung open the door. <laughs> Baby, I'm home! A moment later, Binzi stomped out of the blacksmith's shop, Bluebeard close behind. The young engineer stomped her foot furiously. How am I supposed to keep the Abigail flying if we don't have enough money for parts? I didn't realize the parts you wanted were so expensive. I only have some small savings, you know. I need fuel and those parts for the steam engine. Those seals aren't going to hold together forever. Aye. We're going to run out of food and provisions soon, too. We need to find ourselves some treasure, and soon. Binzi didn't respond. She stared instead at an elderly couple standing on the side of the road. They struggled to carry a heavy-looking trunk between them. They managed to carry the leaden load about ten paces before dropping the trunk, a corner of which slammed against the elderly man's foot. He howled in pain and hopped on one foot while cursing fluently at his wife. I have an idea. The young inventor marched up to the elderly couple and introduced herself. Good afternoon, old people. My name is Binzi, and I am the engineer about the good ship, Alex Abigail. I take it you two are looking for a safe, clean passage? Aye, we are, miss. Our baker was burned to the ground by Redbeard the pirate. He demanded we give all of our bread and rolls to him and his crew. For free. Our baker won't stay in business long if we give our wares away. We refused, of course, and he torched the store right then and there. 
We've had it up to here with pirates. The old woman scowled and held her hand far above her head, indicating just how full they were. Her outstretched hand barely reached to Bluebeard's chin. The old woman reminded Bluebeard powerfully of a squat toad. She appeared much wider than she was tall, and her head seemed to attach to her body without benefit of a neck. Large, unblinking eyes behind thick glasses added to her amphibian appearance. She grimaced at her husband as he spoke. We want nothing to do with pirates anymore. We're leaving to Scott's Widow, and then hitching a wagon to the prairies. No pirates away from the water. The old man glared at his wife. We had arranged for a fishing boat to stop and pick us up and take us to Scott's Widow. But someone had to pack a few extra trinkets. And now we've missed the ship. We're stuck here with no home to return to, and no way to get away from this miserable town. The toad sighed and cast a regretful expression at her husband. Benzie smiled at her captain. Well, folks, I've got good news for you. The Alex Abigail would be happy to ferry you across to Scottswallow, and I think that you'll find our fees very reasonable. Bluebeard grabbed Benzie and pulled her aside. What are you doing? The Abigail is a pirate ship, not a passenger liner. Well, today we're a liner. We need the gold. Do you have any other ideas? Bluebeard had to admit he did not, and resignedly he straightened his puffy shirt and introduced himself to the elderly couple. Ahoy there, I be Bluebeard the Pied, um, Captain of the Abigail. We'll be happy to transport ye to Scottswillow. We'll be leaving this here fine village in short order, so perhaps we can get ye aboard and set sail right quick. The old man stared at Bluebeard's puffy shirt and tri-cornered hat suspiciously. His eyes flicked to Bluebeard's shoulder as he took stock of the bald parrot sitting on his shoulder. Bluebeard shuffled uncomfortably for a moment, thankful he had opted not to wear his hook. Finally, the old man grinned and slapped the pirate on the shoulder. Well, that would be right dandy, my good captain. You look like a fine young lad. Trustworthy. Not like those filthy pirates. My name is Bartholomew Fitzgerald. You can call me Bart. My wife here is Euphigenia. You can call her... Um, Euphigenia. The squat woman glared at Bluebeard, silently daring him to call her anything else. Binzi grabbed the couple's arms and led them down the dim street towards the Alex Abigail. Bart waved to his bags, stacked in a loose pile beside the heavy trunk at the side of the road, and called back to the young pirate. Oh, this is going to be a fine adventure. Let us be on our way. You can get your crew to carry our bags to the ship. Bluebeard sighed and, shouldering the heavy packs, dragged the trunk behind the trio down the dirt road to where the Alex Abigail was docked. By the time Bluebeard had hauled the elderly couple's belongings to the Abigail, Binzi had settled them into their cabin. Well, you gave them the captain's cabin? That's my room. We can't have paying customers sleep in the village, and they're not going to want to sleep in the boiler room with me. There's nowhere else for them to stay. Oh, where am I supposed to sleep? Out on deck, in the open air under the stars. It'll be great. Bluebeard was about to argue when Bart poked his head out of the door leading to the captain's cabin. Oh, this'll do just fine. What are you making us for lunch? Bluebeard ignored the passenger and called to Binzi, who was trying to sneak below decks. Cast off the lines there, Benzie, and get ready the ship. The sooner we get to Scottswillow, the better. In short order, the Abigail was released from dock, and with Binzi furiously working the controls, the trim vessel sailed away and out into open sea. Their passengers had returned to their cabin, leaving Bluebeard and Binzi on deck alone. It's a bit frustrating, this, just sailing on water. I think I'd enjoy flying better. It is a mite faster, certainly, though you can't beat the smell of the sea air and the gentle rock of the ocean swell. That's ah, the way of a true pirate. Bart emerged from the cabin and wandered over, inspecting the sails and rigging with a critical eye. 
A fine-looking vessel you have here, sir. How is it that only the two of you can run the whole ship? My understanding is you need at least ten to twelve men to run a transport like this. You need three in the foremast rigging, four on the mainsail, a couple of hands on the deck to haul the lines when you heave to, one on the wheel and at least a couple on the bilge working the pumps. Bluebeard eyed Bart suspiciously. For a baker, the old man seemed to have a decent knowledge of the inner workings of a pirate ship. My right fine engineer is taking care of this for me. She can control the entire ship from the wheel. Quite a piece of work. Really? My wife would be very interested in seeing this. She's a bit of a tinkerer too, you know. She doesn't say much, does she? She can't talk? Oh, she can talk, all right. Mighty stubborn woman, were you for Janiah. A few years ago, we had a real blowout. An argument to rattle the timbers, you might say. Uh, hasn't said a word since. At first, I kind of enjoyed the quiet, but now I... Well, I miss her voice. I've apologized, of course, but she won't say a word. Well, I'll go get her. The old man disappeared again into the cabin and emerged a moment later with his wife in tow. The squat little woman waddled to Binzy and stared at her, unblinking through her thick glasses. Completely undeterred by the old woman's scrutiny, Binzy brightly launched into a detailed description of the Abigail's inner workings. The whole ship is powered by a steam engine that I designed that sits in the belly of the ship. It takes up much of our cargo room, but it allows us to do things that no other pirate... Um, the passenger ship can do. Binzy swept her hands wide as she described the innovations and accidentally knocked the old lady's glasses to the deck. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Euphigenia scrunched down and retrieved her glasses and returned them back to her wide face. Despite the fall, the glasses appeared to be unbroken. I'm so sorry. I almost broke your glasses. Suddenly, Mate stiffened on Bluebeard's shoulder. When the bird spoke, he sounded exactly like his former owner, the vicious Redbeard the Pirate. Read the map upon the wall. Broken glasses to see it all. Find them at the market stall. In the Parker Town Square at the back of the market on the right. Oh, blast it. I'm a pirate, not a poet. Never mind. That'll do. The bald bird slouched again and picked idly at a long claw as if nothing had just happened. At last, a clue to the Moidari's trade. I mean, what's an odd thing for a pirate to say? Euphigenia stared unblinkingly at him until Bluebeard felt compelled to add, Oh, parrots! Hey, <laughs> what will they say next? Bluebeard turned and grabbed Binzi's arm and pulled her away, determined to speak privately to his partner. Did you hear what Mate just said? We have to go to Parkerston. But we promised a ride to these people. We just can't abandon them. We won't abandon them. We can just have a little detour. We'll stop by in Parkerton and find those broken glasses and have them back on course in no time. And how do you explain to them that we're looking for clues to buried treasure? You know how they feel about pirates. We don't need to explain anything. Just tell them we have to pick up some supplies. They don't have to know what we're doing there. Binzi looked doubtful, but she agreed and turned back to inform the passengers of the change in course. Bluebeard rested his boot on the railing and stared out onto the horizon, a razor-sharp line blotted only by a smudge of dark billowing clouds. Finally, after so many weeks, a clue to the hiding place of the Moidari's treasure. Bluebeard's heart gave a funny little skip at the thought of it. He was finally on the hunt for buried treasure. This is what it meant to be a pirate. The next morning, the Alex Abigail sailed into Parkerston. Once moored and settled, Bluebeard strode down the gangplank to visit the marketplace. Binzi had elected to remain on the ship and tend to the temperamental steam engine. At the last moment, Bart decided to join Bluebeard in the market. 
Bluebeard was not thrilled, as he'd hoped to have some time without the constantly chattering baker at his heels. Like Bluebeard's own hometown, the marketplace was located in the village square, and was buzzing with activity, despite the early hour. Bluebeard had always loved visiting the little stalls and shops in the market such as these, and he happily wandered the square, enjoying the vast array of fascinating items for sale. He had left Bart behind somewhere, the old man had stopped to speak to someone about baking racks or some such. Bluebeard perused the shops and stalls, having nearly forgotten the original reason for visiting the marketplace. He was wandering through the back aisle of the marketplace when he spied a dirty cart attended by a scruffy-looking pirate. The man was unkempt and grizzled. His long, greasy hair hung over his eyes in matted ribbons, and the patches of beard left hanging on his chin looked as though he might have shaved with an old, rusty blade, with his eyes shut. He looked utterly bored and made no attempt to sell his few belongings to the passerbys. Crammed beneath a bronze statue of a chicken and a dirty wooden bowl sat a pair of broken glasses. The scruffy man didn't even look up when Bluebeard approached. Oi there, matey. How much you be wanting for those broken glasses? The pirate looked up and squinted at Bluebeard suspiciously. Why you be wanting glasses already broken? I have need for broken glasses, that's all you need know. You be searching for something then? Yes, I be searching for glasses. Bluebeard felt like he was having a different conversation than the pirate. The stall owner seemed to be looking for some secret message within the conversation. The pirate was looking for him to say something, but he had no idea what that might be. He decided on the direct approach. A certain uh, red-bearded pirate sent me to pick them up. The scruffy pirate's eyes suddenly lit up, and he lost that bored expression. He's finally come. Can I be finally rid of these glasses? I've been waiting nigh on two years, waiting for them to return and pick up these blasted specks. Every day... Rain or shine, I've had to sit here waiting. The pirate wiped away tears with the back of his sleeve, smudging the face with more dirt. You can't imagine what it has been like. <laughs> Two years! I've dreamed this day would come, and now I'm finally free! The old sailor reached for the glasses, but then paused, a look of suspicion on his dirty face. But Redbeard said he would come himself to my stall. Where is he? Well, he has, um... More important things to attend to. His, uh, his, um, peg leg's been causing him trouble. As soon as Bluebeard had said it, he knew that it was the wrong thing to say. Redbeard still had two healthy legs, and by the look of the scruffy pirate's face, he knew it too. I'd have heard it if Redbeard lost a leg, matey. I think you may be trying to trick all scraps here. The pirate slowly rose and moved from behind his cluttered table. The long, curved blade made a rusty, rasping hiss as he pulled his sword from his scabbard and pointed it at Bluebeard. Bluebeard backed away from the cart, as did the small crowd of people that stopped to watch the argument. Uh, now, now, good pirate, there's, there's no need for violence. I'll, I'll just be on me way. Redbeard told me that someone might come one day to take the glasses. He told me to protect those spectacles would be life. Pirate held up his rusty sword and assumed an easy fighting stance. The scruffy sailor looked very comfortable with the sword in his hand. Do you know what happened to the last fellow that failed old Redbeard? Let's just say they eventually found his foot... But never the rest of him. Redbeard would do worse to me if I lost these glasses. The scruffy pirate lunged forward, swinging his arm in a wide arc towards Bluebeard. Bluebeard stumbled backward and fell to the ground, the blade whispering over his head. For much of his young life, Bluebeard had pored over every scrap of pirate lore he could find. He knew everything there was to know about pirates, from knot tying to the subtle skill of predicting ocean squalls. Somehow, though, he had never thought to learn how to fence. Defenseless, Bluebeard scrambled backwards, desperate for escape. His hand found an old iron poker of the sort used by blacksmiths to tend their forge. 
Bluebeard found his legs again and stood, the iron poker held before him in a clumsy copy of the sailor's fighting stance. The pirate laughed and with an easy grace that belied his age, swung the sword at Bluebeard. Almost unbidden, Bluebeard's arm leaped, and the poker struck the pirate's rusty sword with a sharp clang. Without hesitating, the scruffy sailor whirled around and struck again at Bluebeard's other side, his sword whistling as it split the air. Again, the poker blocked the assault, and sparks flashed from the collision of iron and steel. The scruffy pirate seemed surprised by Bluebeard's lightning-fast reflexes, but undeterred, he turned and slashed again at Bluebeard's legs. Again, Bluebeard was able to block the blow, and the pirate's sword rang like a bell from the impact. Bluebeard backed away slowly from the scruffy pirate. I'm going to fillet you like the flounder you are. Now hold still. The pirate lunged again, and Bluebeard barely reached the blade in time. The impact sent a shockwave through Bluebeard's arms that sent him tingling and he fell to the ground. The scruffy pirate rested his hands on his thighs as he puffed for breath, and Bluebeard could see the old man's blackened stump of a tongue behind rotted teeth. It looks like he'll have an interesting story to tell old Redbeard when he visits. I'll be getting a bonus too, I think, when he finally gets his treasure. Defenseless, Bluebeard could only gape in horror as the pirate lifted his sword high, preparing to strike. Before the pirate could strike down on Bluebeard, there was a hollow knock like wood on a coconut, and the scruffy pirate's eyes rolled comically in his sockets before he collapsed to the ground. Behind him, holding a wooden bowl high in both hands, stood Bart Fitzgerald. Ugh, I hate pirates. You were lucky I decided to come with you to the market. I, I am at that, sir. Thank you for defending me. Well, we all have to stick together, right? Us against those filthy pirates, shall we say. Let us get out of here before his friends show up. Bart quickly strode between the rows of carts towards the dock. Bluebeard scrambled to his feet, grabbing the broken glasses from the stall, and stepping over the prone pirate, followed Bart through the marketplace. There is no sign of the old sailor's friends or anyone else interested in following them, but Bluebeard found himself moving faster and faster until he was nearly running by the time they reached the dock. Sprinting up the gangplank with Bart following surprisingly quick behind, Bluebeard called to Binzy. Get up with you, girl! We be casting off! Binzy poked her head from the lower deck, where she'd been tending the temperamental steam engine. What? Already? Aye, <sighs> Captain. With a flash of red hair, the engineer disappeared again beneath the deck, and within moments a rough thrum vibrated through the deck as the Alex Abigail sprang to life. Once underway, the Alex Abigail cruised out of Parkinson's tiny harbor and into the open ocean. The swell of the following sea was rougher now, and the pirate vessel bobbed and swayed among the growing waves. The smudge of dark cloud on the horizon had expanded to a wide stretch of black that filled the sky behind them. Binzy found Bluebeard at the ship's stern, watching the gathering storm. Well, did you get the glasses? Aye, I did. Nearly traded me head for it, too. Lucky old Bart was there to see me through. Binzy frowned as she gazed at the wide bank of the dark clouds. It's too dangerous. The Mortar's treasure, no matter how fabulous, is not worth getting hurt over. Well, it's all part of being a pirate, right? If finding treasure were safe and easy, everybody would be doing it. The Moidary's treasure is out there, and I mean to find it. Ahoy, you two! The elderly baker waved as Binzy and Bluebeard turned away from the oncoming storm. Bart grinned as he approached, and he waved again, filled with irrepressible energy. I'd like a word with you, Captain, if you don't mind. Binzy smiled, and with a nod to Bluebeard, returned to below decks to tend to her steam engine. Oh, what can I be doing for you, sir? I couldn't help noticing your small scuffle with that mad pirate today. Aye, thank you for your assistance on that. Can't be known what the old man was griping about. The open sea can be a dangerous place for a captain. Sometimes the solid ground can be just as bad. You need to learn to defend yourself, mate. I know, but with everything else I never learned to swordplay, just 
Never had the opportunity. Well, now you do. I'm near on an expert swordsman, and I'll be happy to teach you a thing or two about swinging a blade. Bluebeard smiled with unconcealed delight. Before his first encounter with Redbeard, he thought his knowledge of the piratey ways complete. It was a real shock to discover he'd forgotten one of the most important aspects of being a pirate. With a sword at his hip and the skill to use it, he'd be a formidable pirate indeed. Well, it sounds right fine by me, though I don't have a sword to practice on. Oh, don't you worry none. You won't be needing a real sword just yet. Bart walked to a storage bin attached to the back of the cabin and pulled out two mops with wooden handles. He passed one to the captain, then lifted his own in the air, the mop handle thrust out before him like a sword. Sword play is all about your feet. If you ain't balanced, you'll never stand a chance. Bart pushed at Bluebeard's feet with his mop handle until the pirate captain stood with one foot facing forward and the other stretched behind him. In this stance, Bluebeard felt like his feet were pointing in opposite directions. Well, wouldn't it be better to just stand in a way that I could move around a bit? This feels mighty uncomfortable. Uncomfortable now, but soon it'll be as natural as walking. Stand normally, and I'll try to hit you. Bluebeard resumed his normal stance, and the old man swung his mop handle at Bluebeard, who danced aside and blocked the blow with his own mop. Without pause, Bart shifted his weight and almost casually tapped the pirate's knee with his foot, and Bluebeard collapsed to the deck with a look of shock on his face. Bart leaned over to offer a hand. Poorly balanced, you'll never stand a chance against the likes of Redbeard. For a baker, you seem to know a lot about swordplay. I wasn't always a baker, young man. Now, try again. This time, stand as instructed. Ready? On guard! Later that evening, the passengers and crew sat on deck, enjoying the night air after their dinner. The black clouds loomed closer, a massive storm approaching that would overtake the Alex Abigail before morning. For now, though, the night was warm, the sea was calm, and Bluebeard was enjoying himself immensely. Binzi had strung up a series of lamps along the mainsail that cast a warm glow over the deck. They relaxed and laughed around a small table, sipping on hot chocolate made to perfection by Euphigenia. Mate perched on Bluebeard's shoulder, his head tucked beneath his wing as he dozed in the warm air. Bart was a wonderful storyteller and regaled them with tales of misadventure and hijinks that kept Bluebeard and Binzi laughing till their sides were sore. Idea you had accidentally baked goat poo into the Danishes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't find out until after he'd gone. I was so afraid he'd come back. He was the local blacksmith with massive arms, and he could have torn the bakery apart without breaking a sweat. The next day, he came stamping into the bakery demanding to see me. I was quivering in the back of the ship, too afraid to come out. But he kept calling my name right, he, yelling, I, I will speak to the baker. So, trembling, I finally came out from the back and walked to the counter. He said, Are you the one who made me these danishes? Well, I nodded. I, I didn't try to talk. My voice would have only come out as a little mouse's squeak. I was about to run and find a constable when the brute picked me up and gave me a hug. Those were the best treat I've ever had, he said. Especially like the ones with the little brown peanuts in them. I turned around and Euphigenia is standing in the doorway, trying not to laugh. Show them what you are doing, love. Euphigenia screwed her wide face into a horrible pucker, her mouth pinched into a tiny knot. Her nose and eyes nearly disappeared as her face collapsed upon itself. She held it a moment before Bart burst out laughing, and her face unfolded to a wide grin. I thought she was going to swallow her own head. I, th I thought she'd speak for sure, then. Euphigenia didn't reply, but stared into her mug of hot chocolate. A small, sad smile turned her lips. 
Well, good folks, as nice as this has been, I think it's time to turn in for the evening. It'll be chiming midnight soon. In the scraping and rustling of chairs and mugs, no one noticed Mate awake and stand up straight on Bluebeard's shoulder. Bluebeard started as the sound of Redbeard's voice, until he realized it was the parrot speaking. Find your way to the doors, measured by the chronograph snores. Broken seams as timing chores, buried in the blood-red shores. Complete silence reigned over the ship as Mate tucked his head under his wing once again and dozed off, gripping Bluebeard's shoulder. Waves lapped at the stern of the vessel as the approaching storm began to make its fury felt. The two elderly passengers looked from Bluebeard to Binzi and back again. Someone wanting to tell me what's going on now. Oh, nothing important, Howard. Mate used to belong to a pirate, you see. Brouts off all sorts of piratey nonsense from time to time. Pay it no mind. Well, we should be off to bed then. I'll go off to check on the engine before the storm hits. Have a good night. Binzi turned and sprinted down the hold, while Bart and Euphigenia bid their good nights. Soon, only Bluebeard and Mate remained on deck. Bluebeard rested his hands on the ship rail as he stared out to the distant clouds. He loved watching the approach of a storm, such beauty and destructive power mixed as one. He jumped when Binzi spoke behind him. I think I know what that riddle was about. Do ye? Redbeard mentioned a chronograph that's a clock of some kind, but the rest is a mystery. The blood red shores. That sounds like Baronville to me. The ground there has a lot of iron in them, which turns the sandy shores red with rust. That's a, that's a good three-day sail from here. We can wait till we drop off our passengers at Scutswillow and then make our way from there. I don't like lying to Bart and Euphigena. They must be getting suspicious. I don't like it either, but we have no choice. Who knows how they would react if they knew this was a pirate vessel? Bluebeard paused and nodded his head at the approaching storm. We better get these sails reefed in before the storm hits. It's going to be an interesting night. Bluebeard remained out on deck, watching the approaching storm. Wrapped in several layers of blankets and oilskins, he managed to stay relatively dry and warm, while the storm seethed and boiled behind them. Swept nearly horizontal by the fierce wind, tiny droplets of rainwater lashed at the pirate, stinging his exposed skin. Distant thunder rolled and echoed within the dark storm clouds, a somber warning to those foolish enough to allow the storm to overtake them. Massive surges of lightning jumped from cloud to cloud, lighting up the churning sky from within. The flash seared Bluebeard's eyes, and he automatically squinted against the bright light. In that moment, though, Bluebeard thought he saw something. A long, oval silhouette in the sky, too smoothly shaped to be a cloud or a natural object. Bluebeard peered into the mountain storm, waiting for the next flash. Then he saw it. The shape was larger now, and more detail was visible. The thing consisted of a huge oval, covered with rigging and cables that secured a small, square shape to the bottom. It was flying at a high speed towards him, and it swerved and pitched as the wind tossed it about. Binzi, better get up here! By the time Binzi arrived on deck, hurriedly fastening her oilskinned coat, the flying craft had nearly caught up with the Alex Abigail. The approaching contraption was a giant cylindrical gas bag, and lashed securely beneath a wooden cabin large enough to carry ten people. A deep-throated buzzing sound could be heard over the sound of the approaching storm, and it took Bluebeard a moment to realize that enormous gossamer bumblebee wings attached to the craft were furiously fluttering, propelling the airship forward. What in the briny deep is that? It's called a blimp! It uses hydrogen gas to float and those wings to push it! I can't imagine how they made the wings strong enough to withstand these winds! Who would be crazy enough to fly that thing in the storm? Before Binzi could answer, a harpoon lanced from the airship and embedded itself in the deck of the Alex Abigail. Attached to the long spear, a thick metal cable trailed back to the blimp. Well, they're attacking us! No! 
Squinting against the wind-lashed rain, Bluebeard peered up at the airship buffeting high above them. A shaft of light gleamed for a moment as a door in the blimp's cabin opened. A dark figure emerged, grasped onto the cable, and then plummeted towards them. Coat flapping in the hurricane winds, the figure zipped along the cable to land with a crash on the deck of the Alex Abigail. Straightening up and stepping into the light, Redbeard the pirate smiled at Bluebeard. So, my young baker, it seems you cannot run from me forever. Uh, it's good to be out of that infernal wind. The pirate sat in the captain's chair at the large map table in the captain's cabin. Feet on the table and arms folded behind his head, he grinned at the people inside the ship's cabin. Bluebeard elected to remain standing. He tried to appear confident and commanding on his own ship, but he couldn't think of what to do with his hands. He crossed and uncrossed his arms and then held him behind his back. Finally, jammed his hands into his pockets and scowled at Redbeard. Bluebeard's parrot, mate, sat on Bluebeard's shoulder, huddled in close to his neck in an effort to remain inconspicuous. Bart and Euphigenia, dressed in their bedclothes, sat at the edge of the captain's bed and glowered at everyone. Binzi remained uncharacteristically quiet in the corner of the cabin. What do you want, Redbeard? Oh, you know what I want. That little lump of skin and bone sitting on your shoulders what I want. I want the little scrap to tell me where my treasure is. And I want you, Baker, this miserable boat to sink to the bottom of the briny blue. Bluebeard glared at his former hero. Only by sheer force of will was he able to keep his trembling hidden. When Bluebeard had first taken mate from the vicious pirate, he had sworn he would protect the small bird, make him a part of his crew. He felt terribly exposed now, with his sworn enemy sitting on his table at his own ship. How could he defend his crew? Bart's sword lessons had helped him somewhat, and he hoped one day to learn enough to defend himself properly with it, but right now, even on his own ship, he is practically defenseless he'd have to find a different way of ridding himself of this dangerous pirate. Well, go ahead and take the bird. He's no longer of any value to me. Binzi spun towards Bluebeard, a shocked expression on her face. <gasps> How can you say that? You're just going to give up on him? He's already told us all we need to know. We know where the treasure is. You lie. That miserable bird's told you nothing. We already found the broken glasses. Redbeard stared hard at Bluebeard, his dark eyes smoldering. Beneath the red curls of his beard, his mouth twitched. I took the glasses off old scraps in Parkerston. I know about the clock in Baronville. I know all the secrets to the Moidary's treasure, so it's taking the bird will do nothing for ye. Redbeard slowly slid his heavy boots from the table and eased his massive bulk from the chair. Standing at full height, he towered over Bluebeard, who, despite his best efforts at appearing brave, took a step back. You're right. The bird would never tell me anything anyway. Redbeard turned and looked at Binzi, who seemed surprised at the sudden attention. Daughter, you know where the treasure is. You have heard the clues from the bird or from the baker. Come with me and we'll find the treasure together. Together, we can be unbeatable. Binzi looked startled at the offer and stepped forward to speak directly to Redbeard. I, I, uh, you never wanted me to help you before. When you refused to become my first mate and learn the pirate trade at my side, I was angry, I admit. Especially when you joined up with this baker here. I've come to appreciate, though, the value of your considerable talents. The engineer that built my airship possessed none of your skills. He was barely able to keep the ship running, and now that he's gone, the airship is falling apart. What happened to the engineer? I threw him out the window of the airship when he failed to catch up with you in Arberton. Redbeard waved his arms at the hole of Alex Abigail. But look what you've done with this ship. 
just you, with no resources, have built this amazing contraption. With your skills and the Moideri's treasure to fund your experiments, I can become the most feared pirate in all the seas of the world. I'll provide for you whatever you want, anything you need. And you will build for me a fleet of flying ships that will bring entire countries to their knees. Redbeard's chest heaved as though the very thought of so much conquest left him breathless. He leaned down and whispered into Binzi's ear. Come with me and I'll let your fool of a captain live. Binzi paused, looking thoughtful, while Bluebeard fumed. You not be taking a member of me, crew. You get off me ship now, Earl. Okay, I'll go with you. Bluebird gasped at his engineer. He knew Binzi was frustrated, not having access to the tools and supplies she needed to keep the Abigail running, but he never imagined she would leave. And to join Redbeard, no less. What, you be leaving us? I thought you are a member of me crew. You can't just... You heard her. She wants to leave. Come on, Binzi. Redbeard strode to the door and flung it open, stepping once more into the torrential downpour outside. Without pause, he lumbered to the harpoon embedded in the deck of the Abigail and grasped the thick line that ran back to Redbeard's massive airship. The giant balloon flailed in the air like a broken kite, dancing at the end of its string. The cable hummed in Redbeard's hand as the airship strained to break away before the ferocious gale force winds. Redbeard beckoned to Binzi, inviting her to grasp onto his free hand, all the while glaring at Bluebeard, a nasty grin oozed from beneath his thick red curls. Come on now, daughter. My crew can winch us away on our airship, and we can be done with this pretender. Together we will recover my treasure and rule the seas, while this miserable fool can wallow in... Redbeard was suddenly ripped from the deck of the ship, the cable flinging the pirate into the air like a wet rag in a hurricane. Redbeard's airship, suddenly freed from its mooring on the Alex Abigail, veered wildly as the gusting winds blew it across the dark seas. Redbeard dangled beneath the airship, and through the downpour they could see the pirate struggling to climb the slippery cable. Soon the airship was swallowed up by the raging storm. Bluebeard gaped at Binzi. She leaned casually against Redbeard's harpoon, still embedded in the deck, the fierce rain not dampening her mischievous grin. She flipped the sharp knife in her hand and fingered the frayed length of cable that connected the harpoon to Redbeard's airship. He's really going to be mad now, won't he? Bluebeard stared at the surface of the map table in the captain's cabin. Redbeard's boots had dripped mud onto the map of the ocean currents in that region, forever marring its elaborate illustrations. Binzi had returned below decks to tend to her steam engine, leaving Bluebeard alone to pace the length of the cabin. Bluebeard looked up as the cabin door slammed. Bart stepped into the cabin and glared at him. Soaking wet, his thin hair was matted and his bedclothes sodden, but his dark eyes flashed with fury. Ephigenia waddled forward too, her arms firmly clamped in front of her ample stomach. I think you have some explaining to do, young pirate. Bluebeard opened his mouth to deny the accusation. He invented and just as quickly discarded a hundred different excuses. Finally, there is nothing left to do but tell the truth. I, I be a pirate. You know how we feel about pirates. You lied to us. You brought us aboard a pirate ship and put myself and Euphigenia in danger. I, I be sorry about that. We needed the fare to keep us running. I'm not a thieving bully like Redbeard there. I don't steal from others. I find me treasure and take me bounty. Fair is fair. Oh, oh, you're an honest pirate, are you? Stealing treasure is an honorable business. I be looking for buried treasure. It's no longer belonging to anyone. Just because you didn't do the taking doesn't make it any less stolen. Where did you get the Alex Abigail? The Abigail? Oh, Redbeard captured it years ago. We found it tucked away in a hidden cove. Oh, so you stole that too. 
A mighty fine example of an upstanding pirate, I see. Bluebeard's face flushed. He was starting to get angry. Now look here. Whether you like it or not, I be a pirate. I sail the open sea. I hunt for treasure, and one day, Neptune willin', I'll battle a giant sea monster with me bare hands. I'm not a thief. I'm not a bully. I'm a pirate. And I won't apologize for that. The old man peered at Bluebeard for a long moment, as though searching for some truth in the young pirate's eyes. Bluebeard tried to stare back just as intently, careful not to blink. Almost immediately, his eyes started watering. Finally, Bart nodded with satisfaction. Okay, young pirate. I won't condemn you for your choice of occupation, but we won't be party to it neither. You drop us off at Scott's Willow as you promised. What you do after that is not our concern. Fair enough. Though we will be making a short stop at Baronville. It's on our way. Agreed. I hope you're telling the truth about being a better class of pirate. Though someday we'll have to discuss your ownership of this here ship, we will. The next morning, once the storm had settled, Binzi woke the steam-powered beast in the belly of the Abigail. Soon the trim pirate ship puffed along in the gentle breeze that followed the storm. They made good time, and by mid-morning the blood shores of Baronville came into view. As Binzi had described, the beaches outside the little port town were colored a deep red. A high iron content in the soil, mixed with the corrosive salt water, created a beach stained by rust. Once anchored a short distance from the shore, the crew of the Abigail and the elderly couple clambered down to a little dinghy and rowed ashore. Once close enough, Bluebeard stepped into the foamy brine and hauled the boat to shore, securing a line to prevent the little craft from drifting away. So, somewhere along this beach there be a chronograph hidden. I admit to being a bit short on ideas as to where this contraption may be sitting. Your only clue to its whereabouts was that it was on this shore? Aye, you heard, mate. The only clue refers to the blood-red shores, and that be it. In the absence of any other ideas, Bluebeard opted to walk the shoreline, hoping to find some hint as to the whereabouts of Redbeard's next clue. Binzi had hardly said anything since Redbeard's sudden departure, and they warily tread in silence as they scanned the shores for a piratey clue. A long, quiet hour passed as the group walked the lonely shore. Gentle waves lapped at the beach as the tide slowly retreated, exposing more and more of the blood-red sand. Bluebeard couldn't help but appreciate the wild diversity of life that existed on the rusted beach. Every little tide pool exposed by the retreating water teemed with life. Little crabs, starfish, and worms by the thousands, all struggling to survive their hostile little world. An uncountable number of sea creatures inhabited this single beach, as every scrap of the newly exposed sand was covered with sea life. Bart and Ephigenia slowly fell behind as they walked, Bart chatting away while his abbreviated wife gazed around the beach. Bluebird took this opportunity to sidle up to Binzi. Are you doing okay, Missy? I'd be right sorry your father keeps causing all this trouble. Yeah, I'm sorry too. It's just, I almost had it for a minute. And what? I don't know, his approval? Every kid wants their parents to be proud of them, to have their parents to say, good job or well done. I'll never get that from my dad because I'm not a pirate. But just for one minute, yesterday on the Abigail, he appreciated me for my abilities. He wanted me to help him. Can you imagine? And I had to go and ruin it. It was the right thing to do. He's only be wanting your help to get more power and to terrorize more people. I know. It would have been nice to be appreciated, is all. Well, we certainly appreciate you. Binzi smiled sadly and nudged Bluebeard gently with her elbow. Thanks. That means a lot. 
Bart and Euphigenia had nearly caught up with the pirates, and Bart called forward, waving his arms at the empty beach. I'm not seeing any piratical crews on these shores, are you? Nope, there'd be nothing the likes of any pirate business along these shores. We could be looking for days before we'd be finding anything. Bart sighed and peered at the sandy beach that stretched away to the horizon. <sighs> we'll never find it. Why is it so important that you find this treasure? I mean, everyone wants gold, I suppose, but you're risking a lot tangling with Redbeard. Are you sure this treasure is worth it? Well, I'd be a pirate and I'd look for treasure. That's just how it is. But does it have to be? Couldn't you just be a pirate that doesn't risk life and limb for fortunes and gold? A pirate true will always find treasure of each and every kind. A sturdy ship you can depend, a crew you can call your friend. Adventures found upon the sea when you strive for all you can be. What is that? Me father taught me that. It's a pirate code, I, well, I guess. But it's about finding treasure. That's what it means to be a pirate. Until I found me treasure, I'm just a baker in a tri-cornered hat. It's, it's, it's a pirate thing. You wouldn't understand. Bart looked like he wanted to argue, but he's interrupted by Euphigenia's frantic waving. The two men turned and stared at Euphigenia. She had fallen behind the group and was waving excitedly out to sea. What you be doing here? Euphigenia waved her arms again, gesturing wildly, her stubby arms flapping like laundry in a high wind. What are you waving about like a broken windmill for, woman? Euphigenia threw her arms in the air and looked skyward, imploring for some divine strength to endure her husband's stupidity. Her wide skirt swung from side to side as she stomped a bluebeard and stretched up to grab his head. With an exasperated sigh, she wrenched his head towards the water. Bluebeard stared at the beach that stretched out towards the open sea. Crabs, mussels, and tube worms of every description littered the wet sand. Every spare scrap of space in the beach was covered, each tiny creature battling silently with its neighbor for food and space. Bluebeard stared. There, in the center of the mass of aquatic life, was a completely clear patch of sand. No living thing marred the sandy soil. Of all the trove of living creatures on the beach, not a single one lived or moved upon this one patch. Bluebeard's eyes widened. The patch was in the shape of an X. <gasps> X marks the spot. A short time later, Bluebeard and Bart were caked with red sand as they dug, scraped, and burrowed into the scarlet muck. Euphigenia sat silently on a towel and devoured a sandwich while Mate hopped from her shoulder to her arm to try to snag a piece of bread. Binzi paced in front of the hole the men were excavating, casting worried glances towards the open ocean. Finally, after a great deal of cursing and bruised fingers, Bluebeard and Bart had extricated a hole deeper than they were tall. Exhausted, the two men hauled themselves from the hole and collapsed on the wet sand. Bart closed his eyes and let out a tired sigh. We can't stop now. Come on, we're nearly there. I can feel it. Binzi clambered into the pit and thrust her hands deep into the red ooze at the bottom. Eyes closed, her fingers quested for anything buried in the red sand. She was interrupted by a cold splash of water that dumped onto her head and trickled down her back. Spluttering, she straightened up and glared at her companions. What's the big idea? Who's throwing seawater at me? Before anyone could answer, another splash of cold water doused her again. Bluebeard opened his eyes and leaped to his feet. The tide had turned and was crawling its way back towards the beach. Little rivulets of water wound their way among the troughs in the rough sand as the tide swelled. As Bluebeard watched, several rivulets snaked their way around a small dune, joined together, and then tumbled down into their carefully excavated pit. Bluebeard cursed to himself. In a few moments, the incoming tide would fill the pit completely. It'd be impossible to find anything buried in this sand when covered with water. 
Bluebeard flung himself into the bottom of the pit to join Dizzy. The slop of water at the bottom had grown, and Bluebeard thrust his hands in as deep as he could manage into the sand and probed for some sign of treasure. We can't find it! We have to get out of here before we're washed away! No, it's right here somewhere. We'll find it! Redbeard might be right behind us. I told him about the clock in Baronville. If we don't get it now, he will. The water had risen to his thighs. Taking a deep breath, he plunged his head beneath the water and jammed his hands into the sand. Bluebeard scraped at the rough sand beneath his fingers. He felt something rough and hard. He jammed his foot on top of the hard object to mark the spot and then stood up, gasping. The water had risen to his chest, and the little rivulet pouring water into the pit had grown. In seconds, the pit would be full. Binzy, I think I found something. I need help. Bluebeard and Binzy dove beneath the water again, hands searching. Again, that hard, rough texture. It felt like wood. Tracing the outlines of the piece of wood, Bluebeard had found a metal ring attached to the side. Lungs burning, Bluebeard threaded a finger through the ring and pulled. Buried in sand and water, it was reluctant to move. But then he felt Binzy's hand grab hold and heave. It shifted slowly at first, and then with a sudden rush pulled from the sand. Bluebeard stood, but the water had risen further was now over his head. Panic nibbled at him, making his lungs ache. Bluebeard scrambled at the sides and managed to haul himself up to the surface. Binzy broke water beside him, and together they dragged the wooden box out of the pit and stumbled towards the beach. Finally, exhausted, Bluebeard, Binzy, Euphigenia, and Bart reached the tide line. Euphigenia's legs collapsed, and she slowly rolled onto her back on the sand, her breath coming in ragged gasps. Breathing hard himself, Bluebeard smiled fondly at the round little woman, as he realized that she was nearly as tall lying down as she was standing up. Are you going to live there, Euphigenia? Euphigenia shook her head vigorously, still gasping for breath. Bluebeard chuckled and turned to the treasure box. Binzy had dragged herself to it, and together they inspected the lock. Years of rust had eaten away at the mechanism, and only a simple latch held it closed. Bluebeard gingerly slid the latch open and opened the box. Inside, nestled dry and wrapped in cloth, was a bundle about the size of a loaf of bread. Unwrapping the cloth, Bluebeard found a small clock, of the sort found in any tavern, business, or home. A simple clock face adorned the front and thin wooden filigree decorated the edges. A small brass pendulum hung suspended from the bottom. Bluebeard returned the clock to the treasure box, ensuring it remained protected inside the soft cloth. He closed and lashed the lid, and then returned his attention to his companions. We found the next clue, all right, but I have no idea what we're going to do with it. Once returned to the Abigail, Binzy busied herself preparing the boilers for flight, while Bluebeard returned to his cabin to think. He retrieved the clock from the damaged treasure box and placed it on the table. Maid hopped down from his perch and wandered across the table to peer at the wooden timepiece. The naked bird examined the clock face, experimentally reaching out to nibble on the wooden filigree. Satisfied, the small bird circled the clock, examining it closely. From behind, Mate let out a little squawk as he spied a small key protruding from the back of the clock. What do you want to see the thing working, Mate? Bluebeard wound the clockwork mechanism, turning the delicate key. Bluebeard could feel the tiny cogs slipping and grinding as he turned them, and he worried the clock might be broken. Eventually, the key would turn no further, and Bluebeard sat back, waiting for the clock to begin. After a long moment, the brass pendulum began to swing beneath the clock. The thin second hand on the clock face began to turn. Bluebeard frowned. The clock was broken. Instead of an even ticking sound, the stripped gears and missing cogs in the internal workings caused the ticking of the clock to be uneven. The rhythm of the lopsided ticking was oddly compelling, and Bluebeard hummed along for a moment. I can't imagine how a broken clock can get us to the Moidary's treasure. Mate suddenly stopped and stood ramrod straight. Bluebeard watched as the little bird hunched over, 
his bald head sinking between his shoulders in a close approximation of Redbeard. When he opened his mouth, Redbeard's fierce voice emerged. Great waves crash upon the shore. Towering cliffs will stand evermore. Upon the face of a wild boar, through the eye you'll find a door. But you probably won't even survive because it's really dangerous and you'll never make it to the treasure, so don't even try. boy, mate. You done us proud. Binzy, get the maps. We got a treasure to find. Bluebeard, Binzy, and the elderly couple hunched over the map spread across the massive table in the captain's quarters. Mate amused himself by walking back and forth over the map and shifting the stones Bluebeard had placed there. Okay, so here we are. No, that's Africa. Mate's moved the rock again. Oh, for tarnation, mate. Leave the rocks alone, will you? Anyway, the only island in the area that have giant cliffs up here are among the Minnow Islands. There's thousands of little islands up there, and some terribly treacherous rocks. How do we sail close enough to spot the island with cliffs that look like a boar's head? The old Alex Abigail can handle that, can't she, Binzy? Aye, aye, Captain. Now, Redbeard knows the treasure is somewhere in the Minnow Islands, but he doesn't remember where, so he'll be looking to follow us and find the entrance. Our best bet's to get to the entrance of the Moidari's treasure as quickly as possible, before Redbeard can track us. Binzy, we'll have to travel quickly. Is Abigail ready to go? You bet, Captain. Just give the word. I don't see how we can get to the Minnow Islands before Redbeard takes on crew and flies his airship to the islands. There's no way a sailing vessel such as this can move that fast. Oh, you've never seen the Alex Abigail at full speed? Woohoo! This is amazing! Bart stood on the prow of the Alex Abigail as she soared through the air towards the Minnow Islands. Her vast wood and canvas wings groaned with the strain as they flapped, powered by the beast of a steam engine living in Abigail's cargo hold. This ship is a most wonderful contraption, Captain. A patter with a ship like this can do great things, I say. Aye, that we will. Captain! We have company! What company at a thousand leagues in the air? Bluebeard peered astern of the Alex Abigail as he spied Redbeard's airship, droning in towards him. The airship's powerful wings churned puffs of cloud at the wisps as they rapidly closed the distance to Bluebeard's pirate ship. Redbeard's coming! We need to put on more speed! We're at full speed now! Bart and Bluebeard made their way to the ship's wheel and joined Binzi as they watched Redbeard's airship close the distance between them. All too soon, the hulking figure of Redbeard could be seen in the airship's cabin. How much farther till Minnow Island? We're nearly there, but we're leading him right to the treasure. That can't be helped. His lighter-than-air contraption could stay in the air indefinitely. We have to land, and soon. Do you think he'll just follow us in when we get to the Boar's Head Island? I don't know. He's really, really mad. He might decide to just blow us from the air, treasure or not. He's not entirely stable, you know. As if Redbeard heard Binzi's assessment, the panel on the airship cabin dropped open to reveal a small cannon. Though tiny by normal pirate ship standards, a small cannonball could easily shred the Abigail's wings, plunging the crew into the deep blue. You'd better get a move on, young lass. I think he means to bring us down. Before Binzi could respond, a puff of smoke belched from the airship's cannon, and a moment later a sharp crack echoed across the rapidly narrowing gap between them. A hole the size of a grapefruit suddenly appeared in the billowing mainsail above them. He's firing on us. Bart, get below decks with the missus. Take mate, please. Binzi, evasive maneuvers. Binzi waited till Bart was safely ensconced below before wrenching on the ship's wheel. The Alex Abigail veered sharply to port. None too soon, as another sharp crack sounded behind them. The railing on the starboard side exploded in a shower of splinters. 
Binzi spun the ship's wheel back, and the Abigail leaned precariously into the other direction. Another crack, this time beside them, as one of the wing's support struts snapped. Whether Redbeard hits us or not, we'll be crashing anyway if any more of the wings give way. Before Bluebeard could respond, the main mast, supporting the largest of the sails, shattered as another cannonball found its mark. As though in slow motion, the sails and rigging of the Alex Abigail collapsed and fell behind, connected only by the mass of ropes and guidelines that formed the ship's rigging. The Abigail flew sideways as the weight of the sail dragged on the flying craft. Cut the sail free! It's dragging us down! Bluebeard lurched to the stern as his ship heaved beneath his feet. The broken sail, now billowing behind them, dragged on the ship like a giant parachute, and he heard another crack from the Abigail's wings as another support strut snapped. Bluebeard felt that unmistakable lurch in his belly that told him they were losing altitude. Wrapping his arms around the ship's railing, Bluebeard hacked at the ship's rigging. The lines twanged like guitar strings as each rope was cut free. Another support strut for the Abigail's wings cracked, and Bluebeard redoubled his efforts. Finally, the last line whipped away from the Abigail as it was cut free, and the mast and billowing sail fell away. The expanse of white canvas fell upon Redbeard's airship directly behind them, covering the front of the hulking gas bag as well as the cabin. The sonorous buzz of the airship abruptly halted as the canvas wrapped itself around the base of the droning wings. Redbeard's giant blimp was unable to support the weight of the mast and sails, and it disappeared from Bluebeard's sight as it tumbled to the sea below. Bluebeard returned to Binzi at the ship's wheel, stumbling as the Abigail continued to lose altitude. What's happening? Are we still going down? Our wings are too badly damaged. I can't keep her in the air. I'll land her down in the water and we can sail into the bay for repairs. No, we're landing there. Binzi followed Bluebeard's gaze and her mouth dropped open. Directly below them lay one of the many small islands that formed the Minnow Island chain. At the very center of the island, towering high above the rocky shore, lay a wide grassy meadow. The meadow ended in a spectacularly jagged cliff that plunged down to the pounding surf. Perched at the edge of the meadow lay a colossal boulder shaped like the head of a boar, the entrance to the Moideri's treasure. You want me to land a hundred-foot pirate ship in a meadow at the top of a mountain? No treasure is worth this! It's not just any treasure. This is the Moideri's treasure. This is my ship. I'm the captain. Now land on that meadow. Binzi sighed and stared a moment at the approaching cliffs. <sighs> Everyone grab hold of something. This is going to get ugly! Binzi spun the ship's wheel, and the Abigail lurched sideways, another support being snapped and tumbled backwards away from the wing. The wind howled as Binzi guided the falling ship towards the meadow. Bluebeard's stomach lurched. They were falling even faster now as more of the ship's wings disintegrated. Then, the Alex Abigail struck the ground. The pirate ship bounced once, and for a brief moment it seemed to Bluebeard that the Abigail would once more take to the skies. Then the ship dropped again and slammed hard to the ground. An awful screech filled the air as the hull of the Abigail dragged along the meadow. Almost immediately, the ship flew sideways, and it tipped over as the ship's hull dragged across the grass. Binzi was able to stamp on a large pedal set into the floor before she was thrown from the ship's wheel and into the railing. The Abigail's anchor loosed from the side of the ship and gouged a long trough into the meadow behind the ship. What remained of the Abigail's wings snapped off and flew backwards, pieces striking the ship and exploding into splinters. Lines snapped and whipped above their heads. Finally, the Alex Abigail slowed, and with a bump that finally heaved Bluebeard off the deck to crash into the railing, the battered pirate ship came to rest. Bluebeard groaned as he hauled himself to his feet. The deck lay at a steep angle, and Bluebeard had to climb up the deck to Binzi, who lay curled in a ball, gripping tight the few remaining railing posts. Are you all right there, miss? 
Binzi uncoiled herself and tried to sit without sliding down the crazily sloped deck. You broke my ship! Do you know how much work and care and time I've spent on the Abigail? This was my first success! The first thing I built that actually worked and you threw it away like it was garbage! No amount of gold is worth this! I thought we were going adventures, but this, this is no better than my father! But we're searching for the Moidari's treasure! A pirate true will always find! Treasure of each and every kind! Oh, stop it! That's not even a real saying. There is no pirate code. Bluebeard didn't know what to say. He was also appalled at the damage the Abigail had sustained. This ship was special to him, too, in many different ways. The ship was named after his father and represented his first steps to becoming a pirate. But finding the treasure of Moidari's was the next step in becoming a pirate. We'll fix the ship. Once we get the treasure, we can fix up the ship and it'll be fine. You break the ship so you can find the gold to fix the ship. Don't you see? It gets you nowhere. Bluebeard had no good response to that, so he turned and crawled along the slanted floor to the captain's cabin and pulled open the door. The hatch broke free of the hinges and fell across the deck to the ground. Are ye okay in there? Is anyone hurt? Well, fine, young fella, but that was a terrible landing, all things considered. Come help me haul up the missus. The battered and bruised crew of the Alex Abigail stood on the meadow, examining the ship. The ship took a lot of damage. Aye, it'll patch up okay, but it's going to take some work. But there's enough time for that later. Let's go find our treasure. Bluebeard had retrieved the broken clock and glasses from his cabin, and ensuring Mate was securely mounted onto his shoulder, led the group towards the boar's head boulder. From the ground, up close, the massive boulder looked nothing like a boar's head. Are you sure this is the right place? It'd be a terrible thing to have crash-landed on this island, and have it be the wrong place, lad. Well, it looked like a boar's head from above. Yes, it did. Help me up to that eye there. Bluebeard leaned against the boulder, and Binzi crawled up his back, hauling herself up to a shadowy indentation that, from the air at least, had looked like an eye. There's no door here! Nothing we could climb through. <gasps> Wait! There's a cable here! A loop of rope that leads into the rock! I'm going to... pull it! Bluebeard heard the rumble of falling rocks, and a pile of rubble that he had taken as the boar's nose fell away, exposing a gap in the rocks that led deep into the boulder. Binzi leaped down from Bluebeard's shoulders, and Bluebeard led the rest of the group to the entrance. Here, Bluebeard paused. Here he was, after all this time, standing at the entrance to the Moidari's treasure. His first real treasure hunt had taken him to the largest hall in a thousand years. With this treasure, he could afford to fix up the Abigail, make it up to Binzi for nearly destroying the ship, maybe get a gold hook for his hand. He would have fulfilled the promise of the pirate's code that he had dreamed of for so many years. Are you ready, Captain? A heady feeling of excitement washed over Bluebeard as he gazed at the entrance to the gloomy cave. He smiled and turned to Binzi and the elderly couple. Let's find us some treasure. Bluebeard led his crew into the cave. The narrow tunnel wound its way into the boulder. At times, the tunnel narrowed until Bluebeard had to turn sideways to squeeze through. Bard had to stop several times to pull his hefty wife through the narrow openings. The trail continued to descend as it wound in a meandering path through the mountain until Bluebeard was sure that they were deep beneath the ground. The air was heavy with the smell of mold and algae, and Bluebeard found it difficult to breathe. As the group descended, it grew darker and more confined. Bluebeard worried that they were headed to a dead end. Would they be able to turn around in the confined space and return to the surface? But then Bluebeard turned a corner, and the tunnel expanded into a modestly sized cave. 
They all breathed in deeply as they looked around the chamber. Despite being larger than the tunnels they had been walking in, it was no less claustrophobic. The ceiling was low and studded with stalactites. Water dripped from those inverted cones of rock into puddles on the floor, creating an odd, sad melody. Helpfully, there were torches placed at regular intervals throughout the chamber. Binzi lit several and passed them around. From the glow of the torches, they could see the far end a multitude of tunnels that snaked from the chamber into the gloom. In the center of the chamber, in contrast to the rough-hewn rock suspended from the ceiling, sat a large boulder with a perfectly smooth top face, like a table. The explorers moved to the boulder to examine it. Carved upon the surface of the rock was what looked like a detailed map. Lines clearly representing tunnels wandered about the surface, but the map appeared jumbled or broken. Lines randomly started and stopped, twisted into nothing or looped upon itself. It was as if the map had broken and then was poorly reassembled by someone with their eyes closed. So which tunnel do we follow? The map doesn't make any sense. We just have to look at this right. There must be some trick to it. Look around the chamber and see if there's any other clues. The group split apart and wandered about the cave. Bart and Ephigenia peered cautiously down several tunnels, while Benzi stared at the ceiling. Bluebeard stared at the map. He was missing something, he was sure. Something about the map seemed familiar, the way the lines broke and reformed on the other side of the slab of rock. He felt along the edges of the boulder. No, the pieces of the puzzle couldn't move. Maybe that meant he just had to look at them differently. Bluebeard circled the boulder, looking at the map from different angles. He even stood on the boulder itself, but from every angle the map still looked like a jumble of pieces. By the time the others had returned, Bluebeard had nearly given up hope. I'd be running out of ideas, crew. I don't know how to see this map differently. Ephigenia leaned in over Bluebeard's shoulder and studied the map. Adjusting her glasses, she studied the lines, turning her head this way and that. Bart smacked his forehead in frustration. Of course! How could I be so thick? The glasses, lad! The broken glasses! Put them on! Bluebeard fumbled in his pockets as he fetched the broken glasses and slipped them on. At first, it was difficult to figure out where the map was. The broken lenses distorted everything around him, fragmenting his view of the cavern into a kaleidoscope of random shapes and colors. Once he turned to the map, though, the jumbled shapes aligned perfectly into an unobstructed design. Of the myriad of different tunnels that led from the cavern, several were dead ends. Two of the tunnels ended abruptly with deep pits. The mapmaker had helpfully added little stick figures here. Their little stick arms held up in despair as they plummeted to their doom. Bluebeard shivered as he followed one tunnel that led to a spider that had been drawn larger than the stick figures. An exaggeration, he hoped. Finally, Bluebeard found one meandering tunnel that didn't include spiders, deadly pits, or stick figures flattened by a boulder. This one here. This tunnel leads us to another open cavern, third from the left. Bluebeard removed the distorting glasses and jammed them into his pocket. Leading the group, Bluebeard chose the third tunnel and strode inside, feeling optimistic with their first obstacle defeated. Stepping into the darkness, Bluebeard mused at the strange look of the tunnel walls. They were perfectly smooth, and the tunnel perfectly circular. It looks to me like a lava tube. This once may have been an active volcano. We must be wary here. We're not out of danger yet. The group quietly traversed the long corridor in silence, listening intently for any sound of attack or trap. After a time, the corridor widened to a new cavern. Bluebeard was unable to see how large the cavern was, as the feeble light from their torches was unable to penetrate far into the inky blackness. Iphigenia pressed her torch against an unlit one ensconced on the wall of the cavern. Then, by some unknown mechanism, each torch in turn burst into flame around the cavern, until the entire room was bathed in flickering yellow light. The far end of the cavern ended in a second tunnel that led off into the darkness once again. 
The rocky floor was devoid of marks or pits or traps, and Benzie strode forward. Bart leaped forward and caught the young engineer's belt, just as a massive tree trunk swung from a hidden alcove in the wall. The tree trunk, hinged up at the ceiling, swung across the room like a giant hammer. Benzie felt the wind of it as the tree whooshed past her and up into a recess on the other side of the cavern. Moments later, the trunk swept past again. Then, beyond that deadly battering ram, another tree trunk swung past, and then a few steps beyond that, another tree arc passed, and then another, and another, until the cavern was filled with the long line of lethal swinging trunks. Benji, my lass, no offense, but your father was a nut job. No argument here. Bluebeard watched the trees swing back and forth. Despite the obvious danger these massive rams posed, Bluebeard found them fascinating to watch. Each of the trees swung back and forth at their own pace. The whooshing sound of each tree combined with the others to form a complex rhythm that Bluebeard found familiar. He tapped his hand lightly on the side of his leg, in rhythm with the swinging tree trunks. Something about it was... Wait, listen! There's a pattern! The trees are swinging in a rhythm, just like the broken clock! Bluebeard fetched the clock from its protective wrapping and twisted the small key on the back. There was a pause as the clock's internal workings meshed together until... You're right. If we follow the rhythm of the clock, we can get through the swinging trees. I don't know, lad. If that clock is off by a split second, it'd be flattened to the side of the cavern. What choice do we have? We can't stay here. We can't go back. I'll go first. If I don't make it, you can try something else. Bluebird passed mate to Binzi and tucked the clock under his arm. Nodding his head in time to the odd rhythm, Bluebird bounced lightly on the balls of his feet, trying to build up the nerve to leap into the mass of swinging trees. He was reminded of playing jump rope as a kid, trying to find the right rhythm before jumping into the spinning ropes. Mistaking the rhythm in this instance, however, would get him squashed. Bluebeard waited for the whoosh of the deadly trees to synchronize with the ticking of the clock. Waited, waited, and leaped. Before he could even register his surprise that he made it past the first swinging tree, the clock ticked and he jumped again. Massive blocks of timber swung back and forth in front of Bluebeard, missing him only by inches, but Bluebeard forced himself to focus on only the sound of the clock. Like a dancer moving to the rhythm of a song, he jumped, each tick carrying him past the next swinging tree. Again and again, Bluebeard followed the rhythm of the clock, leaping past the deadly trunks. Then Bluebeard stumbled, nearly missing the next tick. Off balance, he swung his arms to prevent falling into the path of the swinging timber. In doing so, he dropped the clock. It cracked when it hit the floor, and a wild assortment of springs and gears exploded from the broken chronometer. Bluebeard stared at the mechanics littering the floor. Almost too late, he realized he'd missed the next jump. In the corner of his eye, he saw the mighty timber swing toward him. Bluebeard leaped aside. Another trunk swept toward him from the other direction, and he leaped again. But without the helpful ticks of the broken clock, he jumped too late, and the massive trunk smashed into him, lifting the pirate up and spinning him past the remaining trees where he crashed to the floor, whacking his head. He lay on the ground, gasping for breath, as his vision blurred and swirled madly before him. Something buried in the floor of the cavern clicked beneath him. The rhythm of the swinging trees slowed, and within moments the blocks of timber swung to a halt, and the remainder of the group could thread their way through them to Bluebeard's side. They peered down at the young pirate, still dazed on the floor. Good job, Captain! Are you all right? How many fingers am I holding up? Bluebeard groaned and tried to focus on his engineer. Ugh, giant squid. He'll be fine. Help him up. Bart reached down and eased Bluebeard to his feet. Bluebeard wobbled, but his vision cleared and he was able to stand without assistance. Despite a wicked bruise already forming on his arm, he appeared to be undamaged. This side of the cavern had only one exit, a narrow crack in the wall that led away into the darkness. Euphigenia passed a burning torch to Bluebeard, and the group continued the trek deeper into the mountain. 
threading their way through the narrow cleft, Bluebird called out, We should be getting close soon. Soon we'll be swimming in more treasure than you can imagine. You've done well, lad, but we're not done with old Redbeard's traps yet. Keep a watchful eye out still. As they walked, Bluebeard remained vigilant, watching for more of Redbeard's traps. He had long since lost track of time. With no sun, he found he had no idea how long they'd been underground. After a long while, Bluebeard thought he finally saw a faint glow ahead. We're almost there, crew. Bluebeard grinned. They had reached the treasure. He imagined himself wading through enormous piles of doubloons and precious gems. He would throw himself into a soft pile of textiles and silks and luxuriate in the gentle clicks of gold coins as his crew explored their fabulous treasure trove. Everyone from the far northern towns of Hammerfest to the tropical shores of Tortuga would speak of the great pirate Bluebeard who had, against all odds, secured the greatest treasure in a millennia. He would have truly fulfilled his father's dream of becoming a real pirate. The narrow tunnel opened, finally, into a cavern which was large enough to house an entire ship's crew. High-ceilinged and airy, the floor was level but littered with rocks and boulders of varying sizes. The floor at the far side of the cavern dropped away to an impossible depth. Bluebeard peered over the edge. There was no bottom to the crevice. Anyone falling would simply plunge downward for leagues until, perhaps, hitting the center of the world itself. Bluebeard shuddered and moved away from the chasm's edge, and then turned to examine the rest of the cavern. Extending from the floor over the chasm, a single finger of rock protruded outwards to meet a massive flat plank of rock that extended sideways like a teeter-totter from the finger. At the far end of one side of the flat boulder, Bluebeard could see a doorway. I don't get it. You can't walk on that boulder to the doorway without the whole thing tipping over and dumping you into the chasm. How do we get across? I don't like the look of this. I'm sure you don't, you old fool. The group whirled around as Redbeard emerged from the tunnel behind them. The pirate's massive bulk filled the chamber, almost obscuring the pudgy sailor who stood behind him. Redbeard grinned and tossed off a sloppy salute at Bluebeard. Well done, Baker. I'm surprised you made it this far. I would have thought you'd run screaming for your daddy by now. It's good for me, though. All I had to do was follow your footsteps to the mouth of my crew and claim my treasure. Bluebeard peered around the massive bulk of the red-bearded captain. Well, crew, you only have one sailor with you. Redbeard seemed genuinely surprised and turned to his remaining crew member. Really? What happened to the others? The round sailor's bald head dripped with sweat. Eyes as wide as saucers, he drew a single trembling finger across his throat. Oh, yeah. We made a couple of wrong turns. Not sure what I was thinking when I buried the treasure here. Giant spiders. Mad, I tell you. Anyway, I only need this one to get my treasure. Redbeard shouldered Bluebeard aside and shoved his single crew member to the finger of rock jutting out from the cliff face. Silently, the sailor and Redbeard walked out onto the finger of rock. This last test only a true pirate can pass, Baker. You'll not get to my treasure. The two pirates reached the flat boulder and both stepped on, careful to maintain the precarious balance of the massive rock. Facing the center of the balanced boulder, both Redbeard and the portly sailor slowly edged backwards towards their respective ends of the rock. The only way to reach the treasure, Baker, is to bring along a friend. I have friends. Look how much they've risked for me. Not that kind of friend, you fool. The kind of friend a real pirate has. Redbeard now stood at the very end of the flat boulder, beside the open doorway that led to the next room. Providing counterbalance so the flat boulder remained level, the sailor stood at the far opposite end. A real pirate has friends until they have served their purpose, and then... 
You cut them loose. Redbeard stepped from the flat boulder and onto the open doorway. Redbeard's weight removed from the boulder, the mass of rock tipped on its fulcrum, and the sailor was pitched off into the chasm. Oddly, the sailor made no noise as he fell and disappeared into the depths of the abyss. The massive boulder righted itself and returned to its flat position. Redbeard saluted Bluebeard again and disappeared through the open doorway. Sorry, lass, but your dad's a monster. Ah, <sighs> yes, I know. Well, that's it then. Redbeard was right about it. I'm no pirate. I won't be sacrificing any of you just for a spot of treasure. Bart rubbed his chin thoughtfully as he stared at the precariously ballast bridge. You're not a pirate by his definition, lad, but I've come to be rather fond of your own version of piratey conduct. I think there's a way to cross the bridge without losing one of us. It's all a matter of keeping a balance at the two ends of that boulder. Here, Bart, take the chicken for me. So saying, Binzi handed mate to Bart. The naked bird hopped onto Bart's shoulder and roosted there, looking calmly at Binzi and Bluebeard. Bluebeard, here, take that rock there. Binzi pointed at a rock about the size of her head and hoisted a second rock about the same size herself. Bluebeard fetched the small boulder and returned, gazing curiously at Binzi. Now, we both walk out to the bridge. Carefully, Binzi and Bluebeard, each hefting the rock, walked out the narrow finger to the balanced bridge. Copying Redbeard and the unfortunate sailor, they faced each other and edged backwards, careful to maintain the bridge's delicate balance. Okay, now carefully set your rock down on the bridge. They both did so, and then, following Binzi's example, Bluebeard slowly walked forward until they met at the center of the bridge again. Edging carefully sideways, they followed the narrow finger of rock back to their companions. They continued in this fashion, hauling rocks to the edges of the balanced platform. Finally, as Bluebeard set down a small boulder at the very end of the bridge, Binzi called him to stop. That should be enough, I think. The rocks on my end should weigh about the same as you. What's this all about? How do these rocks stop you from falling into the abyss when I step off the bridge? As you step off the bridge, I push my rocks off the bridge. The remaining rocks on your side will balance with my weight and will stay even. Okay, I hope this works. Bluebeard carefully stepped off the bridge into the doorway, leading to the Moidary's treasure. Immediately, the precariously balanced bridge began to tilt, and Binzi frantically shuffled rocks off from her side of the platform. Finally, with a groan, the platform leveled out once more as Binzi's weight evened out with the rocks on Bluebeard's side of the platform. Are you all right there, Binzi? Binzi sighed and waved her hands at Bluebeard. I'm fine, now go, shoo! Bluebeard flashed a grin at Binzi, waved at Bart and Iphigenia, and then turned and strode through the doorway to the treasure beyond. Um, so say, uh, Binzi, lass. <sighs> I know. Now I'm stuck. Can you help me figure out how to get off this thing? Bluebeard smiled grimly to himself as he hurried through the tunnel after Redbeard. This is what he had dreamt of all his life. He had known being a pirate would be dangerous, and nothing could be more dangerous than getting between Redbeard and his treasure. But for the first time, he felt like he could finally become the kind of pirate his father would be proud of. A pirate with a ship filled to the gunnels with gold and jewels. After walking through a short tunnel, Bluebeard stepped out into the largest cavern they had yet encountered. Far above him, a thin fog hung suspended near the rocky ceiling, and stalactites poked through the mist like an inverted mountaintop through cloud. Sunlight streamed through a series of holes that punctuated the walls. Beneath his feet, the floor of the cavern lay too far below to see, though there was a faint suggestion of seawater crashing down in the depths. In the center of the cavern was a single, massive slab of granite suspended in mid-air by immense cragged pillars that stretched down to the unseen depths below. This single slab that filled the middle of the cavern could have easily held Bluebeard's ship, the Alex Abigail, it was so massive. 
A small wooden bridge lay suspended at Bluebeard's feet to the central platform. Binzi would have marveled at the engineering genius needed to create this platform, but Bluebeard could only stare at the treasure of Moideris that lay in the rocky slab. Tens of thousands of gold doubloons cascaded from enormous piles that lay strewn about the cavern. Someone had separated the diamonds, emeralds, and rubies, each into separate twinkling piles that were taller than he was. There were also items cast about that Bluebeard had not expected. Beautiful paintings in golden frames lay across marble statues of long-gone kings and queens. Ornately designed crossbows with gold inlay rested beside iron cannons, barrels of gunpowder, and spears. In the center of that astounding collection of wealth stood Redbeard, a dirty boot planted possessively on a pile of gold bricks. So, Baker, maybe you have the makings of a real pirate after all. Who did you let drop from the bridge to get here, the old man? We find ways that don't require I betray my friends. You can accomplish more with your friends than without. Redbeard rolled his eyes. Spare me your naive philosophies. You are a ridiculous excuse for a pirate. You don't think that old couple wouldn't kick you over the edge for a tiny piece of this treasure? How are you going to feel when your friends start demanding a piece of your bounty? Will you still be willing to share? Treasure like this changes a person. Everyone you know and love will betray you in an instant for a scrap of the wealth in this chamber. Redbeard lifted his leg from the stack of gold bricks and walked to an area clear of treasure. Head down, as though lost in thought, he withdrew a long sword from his scabbard. He scraped the tip of the sword through the thick dust, drawing abstract swirls on the ground. I've been very patient with you, Baker. I could have ended this a long time ago, but I kept hoping you'd begin to understand. I let you keep the bird and my ship. I thought if I just gave you a chance out at sea with your own crew, you would figure out what a real pirate is, instead of this children's fantasy you insist upon. I would have taken you on as a member of my crew, you know, once you grew up and saw what a pirate really is. Redbeard turned to look at Bluebeard now, and with the casual grace of someone who has spent hundreds of hours in practice, he leveled his sword at the young pirate. His dark eyes burned with unabashed fury. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think my only recourse is to end this now, before I become a laughingstock for letting you live. Bluebeard was surprised to find himself stepping onto the bridge to the central platform. A part of his brain screamed at him to run away, to leave this miserable mountain and find a new line of work, but it seemed very far away and muted. A louder part urged him forward. He wanted to face Redbeard. The pirate caused trouble at every turn, threatened him, chased him. He thought of how Redbeard laughed as he told Bluebeard the truth about his father. Anger boiled inside Bluebeard and he pulled his own sword from his scabbard as he stepped onto the stone platform. Redbeard's grim smile widened and he swung his sword around himself in a smooth arc, splitting the air with a faint whistling sound. Excellent. Without warning, Redbeard lunged to Bluebeard. There was no traditional salute or call of on guard to ready the other combatant, just a simple and deadly thrust of the heart. Bluebeard's arm moved even before he registered the attack, and he blocked the attack with his own sword. Redbeard didn't pause, but responded with a vicious swing of his sword to Bluebeard's head. Bluebeard ducked and swung his own sword up to meet Redbeard's. A clang echoed through the cavern as Redbeard's sword again bounced away. Redbeard scowled and swung again at Bluebeard, aiming for his leg. Bluebeard danced backward to avoid it. He had read many stories of epic sword battles between pirate captains. It was a kind of dance where the combatants would exchange rapid-fire thrust and parry and riposte, all the while engaged in witty banter. Bluebeard decided it was time to begin the exchange. You fight like me, grandmother, and she had a peg leg. Redbeard had clearly not read the same books, for he did not reply with a clever retort of his own, 
but grimly hacked and slashed a bluebird without comment or remark. Bart's dueling advice was proving valuable, but it was really only Bluebeard's lightning reflexes that was keeping him from harm. He was only able to block Redbeard's attack and never respond with a charge of his own. Bluebeard's arm was growing tired, his responses slowing, while Redbeard continued his relentless assault. Bluebeard blocked a thrust to his arm, but was caught by surprise when Redbeard spun around and slashed at Bluebeard's leg. Too slow, Bluebeard couldn't block the blade before it cut a wide gash in his thigh. Bluebeard's mouth opened in an O of surprise, as an explosion of pain ripped through his leg. Beads of cold sweat sprang on his forehead as his leg pulsed and throbbed. His leg buckled beneath him. It was odd, Bluebeard thought, as he collapsed to the ground, how all his reading of pirate lore and practicing fencing hadn't really prepared him for the reality of being struck with a sword. It hurt. Woody repartees forgotten, he shuffled backwards, dropping his sword as he tried to retreat from his adversary. Redbeard towered over him, a grim smile hidden beneath the red curls of his beard, and the long, gleaming blade pointed directly at Bluebeard's face. So, Baker, you still find this funny? We're not playing a game here. People get hurt. That can be you that gets hurt, or it can be me. I choose not me. At the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters, not honor or friendship or fair play. The only thing that matters is that I win. It's the one lesson about pirates you never did learn. And now, too late, I'm going to teach you that lesson. Redbeard hefted his sword to strike and Bluebeard closed his eyes. He couldn't hope to run from Redbeard with his injured leg. There was nothing left but to accept his fate. He hoped Binzi would get herself and the elderly couple safely home somehow. He waited for the whistling sound of Redbeard's blade as it split the air. Daddy, do you have to stab all my friends? Bluebeard opened his eyes in time to see Redbeard whirl around at the sound of Binzi's voice. His friends stood together beside a miniature cannon. Although encrusted with gems, it appeared to be a fully functioning weapon, and Bart smiled as he held a flaming torch beside the cannon's fuse. I'm going to ask you to step away from Bluebeard, Daddy. Bart really wants to try out this cannon, but I think it would be best we avoid it. Bluebeard eased himself to his feet and limped over to Binzi and the others, favoring his injured leg. Bart allowed Bluebeard to rest an arm on his shoulder to support his weight. Redbeard's permanent scowl deepened, and he reluctantly sheathed his sword. You should have joined me when I first made the offer, daughter. By joining with the foolish baker, you have wrought your own destruction. So be it. You and your little playgroup will not live to see sunlight. Before anyone could react, Redbeard leaped away to the piles of treasure. Oilcloth cloak billowing behind him, Redbeard disappeared into the gloom of the giant cavern, somewhere behind stacks of gold, coins, and assorted treasure. Disappointed, Bart dropped his torch away from the miniature cannon. Ugh, I had hoped to fire this thing. What do we do now? Redbeard answered Bart's question. From somewhere behind a stack of treasure, the pirate fired a flintlock pistol in their direction. The bullet whistled overhead and embedded itself in the rock wall, spraying shards of rock onto the group of friends. The crew scattered. Bluebeard ducked behind a pile of doubloons, and he watched the elderly couple hide behind the miniature cannon. He couldn't see Binzi, but he hoped she had found a spot to hide as well. He fought to control his breathing, not let the panic overwhelm him. It was utterly silent in the cavern, which seemed odd after the roar of Redbeard's flintlock. Bluebeard's heart thudded painfully loud in his chest, and he was sure everyone in the cavern could hear it. Bluebeard's leg still throbbed, but thankfully appeared to have stopped bleeding. Not so deep a cut as he first imagined. Bluebeard listened for the sound of the bootsteps he knew was coming. Instead, behind him, he heard a wet slapping sound like a wet noodle on a countertop. 
Mate hopped into view. The single red feather on his head bobbed as the little naked bird bounced past Bluebeard into the gloom where Redbeard somewhere prowled. Mate! Come back here! Afraid to follow, Bluebeard watched Mate bob past until he disappeared into the gloom. Then, at last, the dreaded bootsteps did sound. Bluebeard squeezed himself against the treasure, desperately trying to hide without touching the pile, afraid even the slightest touch might dislodge a coin and give away his position. Slowly, the bootsteps approached, as Redbeard checked behind each and every pile of treasure in the cavern. Finally, the boots stopped on the other side of Bluebeard's pile of coins. This is the end, Baker. You cannot escape, and you have no weapon of your own. I tried to help you, Baker, but you will never be a pirate like me. Redbeard is no pirate. He'd just be a common thief. Bluebeard blinked. Who had said that? It sounded like him. But who can impersonate his voice so perfectly? Mate? Redbeard doesn't know a slipknot from a bow tie. Ah, there you are. Redbeard's bootsteps hurried away as he moved towards the sound of Bluebeard's voice. Redbeard should take to wearing an eye patch. At least it would cover some of his ugly face. Come out now, Baker. I have your little bird. Bluebeard eased himself out from behind his pile of treasure and faced the pirate, arms outstretched. Okay, then. Don't hurt the little fella. Redbeard raised his arm. Enveloped in his meaty fist, Mate's tiny bald head was visible. Imagine giving yourself up because of a bird. It will be a relief to be done with all of you. With all of you gone, I can finally get back to some real pirating. I'm afraid it won't be that easy. Bluebeard and Redbeard turned as one towards the sound of Bart's voice. The old man stood at the edge of the massive slab of stone that formed the cavern floor. Tucked under one arm, he held a barrel of gunpowder he had taken from a pile beside the decorative cannons. A short fuse poked from a hole in the barrel. Beside him stood Euphigenia. In one arm, she held a torch, casting its flickering light onto the old couple. Redbeard, release the bird. Leave us in peace. Oh, I shall blow up this cavern with this gunpowder. Redbeard's eyes bulged with anger, and he pointed an accusing finger at the old man. If that explodes, the support struts will crumble, and all of us in this entire treasure will be buried at the bottom of this cavern. We'll all die. And more importantly, we'll lose the treasure. Then you'll want to drop the bird and step away. Redbeard looked lost for a moment, glancing from Bart to Euphigenia to Bluebeard unable to believe that they would all be willing to destroy this fabulous treasure of the Moideris. After a moment, he then smiled and released Mate from his grip. The little bird flapped instinctively but landed hard on the stone floor. Mate struggled to right himself, and then began again his methodical bounce towards Bluebeard. Fine. Go ahead and leave. I still win. I keep my treasure. That's all that matters. Bart shook his head sadly at the pirate. Even after all these years as a pirate, you still don't understand. I was a pirate once, like you. I sailed as first mate on the squalid squire, captained by none other than Pegleg Pete. For the nigh on ten years, I swindled and robbed, looted and plundered. I buried treasure, and sometimes, when the situation called for it, I... I hurt people. Then... One day, while strutting through some tiny village, I tried to steal a necklace from Euphigenia, you see. She beat on me something proper, she did. Formidable woman, my wife. Fascinating story. Very touching. Beat up by some lady in a village. What does this have to do with that barrel of gunpowder you're holding? 
Bart hefted the barrel back up as it had begun to slip from his grasp. He turned to his wife and the little woman smiled and nodded encouragingly at him. When I came to, I was laying on a blanket on the grass. She had bandaged my wounds and taken care of me while I lay unconscious. She smiled and apologized for hurting me, and I, having finally remembered my manners, apologized for trying to rob her. We sat together on the grass until the sun went down, chatting. And by the time I dropped her off at her home in the village, we knew we would be forever inseparable. I left the squalid squire and promised Euphigenia I would never pirate again. We were married two weeks later. We bought a small bakery and spent every day together since. Bluebeard weighed his options. He wasn't sure what Bart was planning with the gunpowder or his revelations of having once been a pirate. He assumed it was some kind of stalling tactic and that Bluebeard was meant to do something while Redbeard was distracted. He had no idea what to do, though. Redbeard was still armed. He couldn't hope to attack without getting himself hurt. He scooped up Mate, who had made use of Bart's story to make his own way over, and tucked him into an inside pocket. He glanced at Binzi, who sat comfortably on the floor. She was watching Bart intently, apparently riveted by his story. But, one day, several years later, my old captain, Pegleg Pete, arrived at my bakery. He promised me uncountable riches if I helped him one last time. We were struggling to keep the bakery afloat, so I took him up on his offer, snuck away from Euphigenia for one last grab at the treasure I coveted. I returned a week later, my pockets filled with gold and gems, but I hadn't realized what I'd lost in the bargain until I saw my Euphigenia. There was such sadness in her eyes. I had betrayed her trust, broken my promise, and in doing so, lost the only treasure worth having. She has never spoken a word since. Bart gazed down upon his squat wife and smiled sadly at her. And I don't blame her a bit. I've apologized so many times for what I'd done, but as I watched our friend Bluebeard risk his life and the lives of his friends for this treasure, I never fully understood how wrong I was. Bart turned to look at the young pirate, and Bluebeard realized that the old man's story was as much for his benefit as it was for Redbeard. Bluebeard, a treasure of each and every kind doesn't mean gold and jewels. Your father wanted you to seek out a different kind of treasure. He told you himself in his pirate code. For a real pirate, a sturdy ship, a crew of friends is the treasure. You've nearly destroyed your ship, and you've put your friend Binzi's life in jeopardy for that pile of gold doubloons at your back. Is that really what you are seeking? You are a ridiculous old man. Look around you. With the treasure in this room, I can buy a thousand friends and a hundred ships. Nothing is more important and I'll rid myself of every one of you to keep it. I'm going to do you, or all of you, a big favor. I want you to consider what is truly important, and a pile of gold it will never be. Bart smiled at his wife at his side and laid a gentle hand on her shoulder. If you would, my dear. Euphigenia beamed at her husband, her eyes glinting in the torch's firelight as she spoke for the first time in years. I knew you had it in you, love. I just had to be patient. So saying, Euphigenia thrust the torch in the gunpowder's fuse. It sparked and spluttered as the fuse ate its way to the hole in the gunpowder barrel. No! Bart heaved the barrel over the side of the giant slab of rock, grabbed Euphigenia's hand, and ran. They barely covered half the distance across the floor when an explosion ripped through the pillars of rock that supported the giant slab they stood upon. A deep rumble thundered through the cavern as the support pillars crumbled. The colossal slab of rock lurched as pillars gave way, and the floor pitched to one side. Enormous piles of gold and gems collapsed and poured across the floor to cascade like a waterfall over the edge to the bottomless depths beneath them. 
Hold on, everybody! Bluebeard found a small outcropping of rock that jutted from the floor and jammed his foot against it to support himself as the floor shifted. A cannon screeching as it slid sideways down the slope nearly dislodged him from his precarious grip. Bluebeard dropped to the floor and allowed the heavy mass of iron and wood pass over his head. Amidst the chaos of sliding treasure, Bluebeard spotted Bart and Euphigenia huddled against the pillar. As long as the floor didn't collapse entirely, they'd be safe. Bluebeard couldn't find Binzi, though. He looked around wildly, hoping to catch sight of her unmistakable red hair. Then he spotted her, sliding inexorably down the sloping floor to the unfathomable depths below. Her fingers were torn and bloody as she scrambled to find some purchase on the rocky floor. Fear bloomed in her eyes as she gathered speed and slid towards the drop. Bluebeard could never reach her in time. He could only watch as she slid ever faster across the floor. With a sudden yell, Redbeard leaped from his hiding spot and flung himself across the sloping floor. He grabbed hold of Binzi and together they slid towards the edge. Before Binzi could react, Redbeard pitched her sideways to land safely against an outcropping. She flung her arms around the rock and turned to her father. Redbeard's furious scowl was the last thing they saw of him as he tumbled over the edge into the bottomless chasm below. After some time, the rumbling stopped, and the floor seemed to hold steady. The treasure was gone. All the piles of gems and gold, the paintings and the weapons had all cascaded over the edge to disappear into the depths. Bluebeard eased himself from behind his rocky outcropping, and the others began making their way across the slanting floor to the wooden bridge, miraculously still connected to the tunnel out of the cavern. Bluebeard led the way out of the cavern and returned to the carefully balanced bridge where he had abandoned Binzi. With Bart's help, she'd been able to balance the bridge with wedged rocks and broken timbers, and the group was able to make their way past the bridge and up the long, dark tunnels to the surface. Warily, Bluebeard listened to Bart and Euphigenia chatting happily as they trudged through the tunnels. It had, at least, worked out well for them. After all that Bluebeard and Binzi had risked, the treasure of the Moideries was lost forever. That thought stabbed at him. Bart had been right. He had risked Binzi and the elderly couple's lives for that treasure. Not even the fabulous wealth of the Moideri's treasure could justify them getting hurt. He recalled that moment when Binzi had slid down the slanting floor to the endless chasm below them. He had nearly lost his friend. Guilt surged through his veins like acid. Was he really any better than Redbeard? He had wanted so badly to prove himself a worthy pirate he had forgotten. The loss of his friends was too high a price to pay for any treasure or glory. Binzi sidled up to Bluebeard and glanced over at Mate sitting on his shoulder. She smiled at the little bird and patted his featherless head. That little chicken saved your life, you know. He risked being caught to lure Redbeard away from you. I know it. I didn't even know Mate could imitate people other than Redbeard. Bart broke away from his wife and called up to the pirate captain. He imitated Redbeard when he belonged to that scoundrel, but now he imitates you. He's become your bird now. Bluebeard nodded, rubbing the little bird's head as he plodded onwards. Even the bird had risked his life for him. He really had missed a deeper meaning in his father's words. He trudged past the traps they had encountered and the twisting tunnels until they, at last, came out into the open air. The sun was setting, casting the Alex Abigail in shadow as it sat forlornly on its side. Bluebeard sighed and gazed at his broken ship. <sighs> I think I can wigger up enough to glide down to the sea and get us home, but without the treasure we can't afford to fix her up properly. Sorry about that, lass. I couldn't think of any other way to get us out alive. Oh, you did the right thing. Redbeard would have ended us all if you hadn't done it. Aye, Redbeard. Sorry about that too, lass. I don't know what to think. I would have fallen over that ledge if it hadn't been for him. Why would he save me after months of trying to blow me up on the Abigail? Family is a powerful bond. 
Even if he tried to deny it, you were still family. I never understood him. Now, I'll never get the chance. Before the sun had set, Binzi had managed to partly repair the Alex Abigail. The giant steam engine roared as the Abigail's wings bounced the ship like a wounded albatross across the rocky plateau and over the cliff to glide down to the calm waters below. Once settled in the water, Binzi retracted the wings and hoisted the sails, and soon they were gliding through the water back to home. Bart and Euphigenia, holding hands like newlyweds, strolled through the length of the ship, stopping when they approached Binzi and Bluebeard. The captain and the engineer stared forlornly across the empty expanse of water before them. You two look pretty glum. What's got you down? Well, I risked all of our lives to find the treasure of Moideris. Now look at us. The Abigail was nearly destroyed and we have nothing to show for it. We don't even have enough money to fix up the ship. How am I a pirate captain if there's no ship to sail upon? Bart grinned and looked at his wife. Well, it might not be all that bad, young lad. What are you talking about? Bart's grin widened as he went to Euphigenia. She rolled her eyes and nudged her husband in the ribs. Oh, please, stop teasing them, Bart. Go ahead and tell them. You might remember a little story I told you about the ill-gotten treasure I brought back those years ago. Well, I never did quite get to spending it, you see. Felt too badly about how I'd obtained it in the first place. We've been holding on to it for years. Well, you two are welcome to it. It's not a lot, but you can use it to fix up your ship good and proper. Well, that's very kind of you, Bart, and you for Janiah. Are you sure you want to give up your treasure to a pirate? I thought you were done dealing with such folk. You, my young friend, are no pirate. Leastways as I've seen them before. You are a special breed. A pirate that is not a thief and bully. If you can be a pirate that looks for adventure, but not at the expense of his crew, we'd be happy to help you along. That's very kind of you both. I don't know if the Abigail would get us to wherever you've hidden the treasure, though. How far away is it? It's right here on the ship, lassie. You recall the heavy trunks your captain hauled aboard? Or were you thinking our clothes were that heavy? Bluebeard shook his head, grinning. All this time there was treasure aboard his ship, and he didn't even know about it. Well, it's a fine idea, and I thank you both. It'll be great to fix the Abigail up proper. A sudden thought occurred to him, and he turned to his first mate. Well, we'll need some extra equipment, too, of course. What sort of equipment? Well, the Moideri's treasure is sitting beneath that island, and leagues under the water. We need some way of getting us down that deep. Do you have any ideas for a vessel that could get us far down beneath the water? Binzi's eyes widened as she stared at Bluebeard. Tears of joy welled up in her dark eyes. <gasps> My sub-equatorial calefaction companions? I can build up another one? A proper one. One that doesn't explode. Binzi leaped forward and squeezed Bluebeard with a lightning hug before scrambling through her many pockets, searching for paper. <laughs> if I can just reinforce the steam release walls to withstand the higher pressure... I had hoped you'd learned your lesson about pursuing all that's important and not risking your friends for gold and jewels. Don't worry. I learned me lesson. The goal's the adventure, not the treasure. I'm fine with that. Bluebeard leaned close and whispered conspiratorially. And besides, Binzi's always wanted to build another, um, conveyance. Bluebeard winked at the elderly couple and called out to his engineer. Binzi, let's set sail for Scottswillow. Aye, aye, Captain. Drop anchor and prepare for landing. What? I thought you said... No, that was mate. Bird, stop imitating me. Set sail for Scottswillow. Okay, aye, Captain. Fire up the boilers, Binzi. Let's fly. Mate, cut that out. And give that bird some crackers. Mate! 